Beth. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us this morning for service. We love you all so much. I would like to call up our brother, Humberto. He's going to come up and testify. Let's give him a hand, everybody. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, well, uh, I'm sorry to say that I have more than one testimony, if that it's okay with everybody. Um, a couple of months ago, Lawrence, the drummer here, uh, came to pick me up at work, and um, our van broke down. Uh, it, he broke down like five minutes after he picked me up. The thing is, uh, well, the testimony is that it could have uh, broken down on the expressway. And what happened was that uh, something got busted. The parts that hold the tires so they, they can steer, they got busted. And Lawrence and Josie were in the van, and they had just gotten up the expressway. And we were about to get back on the expressway, but it broke down in the parking lot. And we were okay, we're not on the news. So praise God for that. And God worked everything out so that the van could be fixed right away. Praise God. So anyway, that was one. Uh, about two months ago, uh, a lot of you know, uh, for whatever reason, I still don't know why, but I threw off my back. Uh, in the morning, I was getting ready to go to work. My back would not budge, I couldn't walk, so I had to stay home from work. And uh, my wife posted that I need prayer because my back was bad, was not functioning. So anyway, um, praise God, things were getting better. I remember Pastor's mom, who is here today, she came over to me uh, the Sunday after. She said, oh, I was praying for you. I said, oh, thank you. And that same Sunday, uh, in the 201 class, it was uh, Signs and Wonders. Signs and Wonders. So Pastor Jared had us pray for each other. And funny enough, um, out of the men in the group, I seemed to be the only one who really needed prayer. So everybody came and prayed for me. So anyway, um, a week later, I'm thinking about my back, and I'm like, wait a minute. I, I'm telling you, uh, my back was hurting so bad, my coworkers wouldn't allow, allow me to pick up a piece of paper, okay, because they, they could see that I was in pain. So anyway, the week later, I go to pick something up or move something at work, and they're like, no, no, no. Umberto, remember your back, your back. Your back is hurting, remember? I'm like, no, I don't remember. And, I, and I'm, I'm like, you know, questioning myself. Wait a minute, what, what's going on here? And, you know, to be honest, it's like my back is better now than before my back was hurt. I'm like, whoa, you know. So anyway, uh, so those are two testimonies. Now one more, and to me, this is the biggest one. And uh, the more important one, although they're all good, but um, thank you for all this. Uh, the third one has to do, actually has to do with Metro Praise, because tomorrow morning, a year ago, our place burned down or caught fire. We're homeless for about, for about a month. And you guys made it possible uh, for the, a traumatic situation not to be as traumatic as it could have been. So uh, I, I'm going to read the scripture because this describes what you guys did for us a year ago. And on behalf of me, Lawrence, Josie, my wife, Kirsten, uh, the Rodriguez family, we want to thank you for all you guys did. And I'm going to read this verse, which is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through uh, 4. And uh, again, I'm going to personalize it because I'm, I'm talking to you. This is the scripture being fulfilled in you, okay? And I just want to say thank you. Uh, and now, brothers, sisters, I want you to know about the grace 
God has given you Metro Praise. Uh, out of the most severe trial, your overflowing joy, and your extreme poverty. And we, you know, what touched us, you know, we know most of your, I mean, we don't know everybody's situation, but we knew of your sharing, and we knew where it was coming from, and a lot of you were in, uh, gave sacrificially, and you didn't have to do it, but you did, and we thank you. So, out of your extreme poverty, uh, it welled up in rich generosity, for I, me, my family, the Rodriguez family, can testify that you gave as much as you were able, but not only as much as you were able, you went beyond your ability, entirely on your own. Nobody was forcing you. You're actually forcing us to take stuff from you. Thank you. So you urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to us, our family. And you did not do as was expected, but you gave yourselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. We just want to say thank you. Okay. Amen. Oh, should I pray? Okay. Lord, I want to thank you for Metro Praise. I want to thank you, Lord, you had us here when this uh, unfortunate situation happened. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Made it all possible. Uh, Lord, may this just be the beginning of something great. Let us not stop there, but keep on giving and giving and sharing out of your gener generosity. Because like we've heard so many times here, you give to us so that it can flow through us to give to others. We thank you, Lord. We give you the praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands in this place. I sense the Holy Ghost in this room already. Uh, that uh, those testimonies and, and the prayer. God is here. And before we sing an, a song, before we start praising God, I want you guys, I want all of us to just start, start praising God with your lips. Just start glorifying him. Start glorifying. Lord, we love you. We exalt your name, God. We lift up our voices, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Come on, church. Let's give God a good 30 seconds of praise. Hallelujah. You're awesome in this place. excited in your presence there's fullness of joy and pleasures at your right hand God yes. give the Lord a hand clap and make a joyful noise Who's free in this place? 
Come on, one more time. Give it all you got. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Welcome, you are welcome, mighty God. 
I want to know. It's you I want to see. Come walk, talk. Come on, say that. Oh, in my heart there is a hunger. In my heart there is a fire. Way down in it's a burning desire. Oh, it's you I want to know. It's you I want to see. Come walk. Come on, lift up your hands and say that. Oh, in my heart there is a hunger. In my heart there is a fire. Way down in it's a burning desire. Oh, it's you I want to know. It's you I want to see. Come walk. Let's hear the voices, just the voices. says draw near to me and I will draw near to you some of you guys feel that God is so far away he's so distant he's so distant how long can I wait he's so far but God says if you take a step of faith and you say God I want you he'll meet you where you're at so just lift up your hands right now if you want to meet with the living God. I'm not talking about some religion. I'm talking about the living Jesus. If you want to meet with him today, sing this with us. Oh, in my heart there is a hunger. In my heart there is a fire. Way down in me, it's a burning desire. Oh, it's you I want to know. It's you I want to see. Come walk and talk with me. Yes, sing it again. In my heart there is a hunger. In my heart there is a fire. Way down in me, it's a burning desire. Oh, it's you I want to know. It's you I want to see. Come walk and talk. Come be with me. You are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. to serve, not to be served, but to serve. Here he is. Here he is. Here he is for you. Here he is for you.
nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. Come on, lift up your hands. My heart becomes free and my shame is under your presence. Let's sing that again. I've tasted and seen. changes us 
It's the Holy Spirit who's going to come and transform our families, transform our marriages. The Holy Spirit who comes and will transform our city. We are desperate for God to move in Chicago. Your heart is desperate for God to move in your city. Lift up your hands all across this room. Let's start speaking in our heavenly language. If you're new here, this is a language from heaven. It's called speaking in tongues. We believe in the power of God here. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. Come on. Holy Ghost, saturate our lives. our beautiful children let's give it up for our children as they're worshiping God come on clap it up for them we want them to experience the power of God praise him 
At this time, our ushers are going to pass out the communion elements. We thank you, everybody, for joining us at Metro Praise International. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We're so thankful that you came to worship the Lord with us today. And as they prepare to pass out the communion elements, I want us to examine our hearts. The Bible says that before we take communion, we are to examine our hearts to make sure that we're right with God. And the way that I'm going to do that is I want to preach the gospel to you today. As the verse goes up, I want you to think about Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, and he died for all. Talking about Jesus. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Gospel means good news. When you come to church, when people try to tell you about Jesus, that's the gospel message. That's the good news. And the good news for you today is that we had a Savior that had to come to earth, put on flesh to take our place because we were all born sinners. We can do not one thing right, not one thing good. The Bible says there is no one righteous but God. And since he came to die for all of us, and because he was raised from the dead, we who are alive right now shouldn't live for ourselves anymore. We need to live for Jesus, our Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no other God but one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Found in three persons, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he will make you new. With all eyes closed all across this room. If you're not living for God today, if you've never been born again, the Bible says that we must be born again to get to heaven. Your spirit must be reborn. And Jesus made a way for you to have a relationship with the Father. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they messed it up for all of the human race. And without Jesus, we are doomed. We will only spend eternity in one of two places. We will either die and go to heaven or we will die and go to hell. And the determining factor is, have you been born again? Live for Jesus today is my challenge to you. Do not live for yourself. Get right with God. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room. I ask, oh Lord, that you would call their name. I pray that they would be sensitive to your leading, to your guiding, that they would declare and know and confess that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And I pray that today would be their spiritual birthday, that today they would be born again, made right with God, allowing the blood of Jesus to wash them clean. I thank you, Jesus, that you came to die on the cross. You were buried and you rose again, and we celebrate your victory. We celebrate your resurrection every single day. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen and amen. If you could please stand with me to your feet. We're going to partake of the communion elements together as one big happy church family. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came to church today. I know we have some first-time visitors. Thank you for being here. The reason why we take communion on the first Sunday of every month, it's because it is an ordinance that we practice. And I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm sorry, this was Jesus talking to his disciples. This is a different passage. This is um, Paul, the Apostle Paul reciting the words of Jesus. And Jesus was the one that commanded us to take communion in remembrance of him. Let's partake together of the wafer. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your body that was beaten and bruised for our transgressions, for our sins. We thank you, oh God, that you came to take our place and we remember you today. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the wafer together. Hallelujah, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for our sins. We thank you that on the cross, you not only died for our sins, but for our sicknesses and our sorrows. You provide healing, God, salvation. We thank you for your blood that washes us clean. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And we remember you today. We thank you, God. Let's drink the juice together. Amen. Hallelujah. As the band continues to lead us in song. Uh, let's focus our attention on Jesus this morning again in worship. Think about what he's brought you out of, the darkness that you used to live in, the loneliness. He is good, and what he does is good. Let's sing this morning. To the cross I look. To the cross I cling. Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Showed that God is love God is just. Let's lift up our hands all across this room. Come on. We're worshiping our Savior today. Thinking about what he did for us at the cross. He beckoned us to come. He drew us gently by his loving kindness. To my knees and I am lost for words. So lost in love I am. You beckoned us, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes us new. We couldn't save ourselves. Lost for words, so lost in love. I am sweetly broken. Come on, Love. 
you, God. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross. We bless your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on. Clap it up for Jesus. He is so good. Praise him, praise him, praise him. At this time, we're going to recite our confession of faith. We do this every week because this is our Christian worldview. This is the lens in which we see our world. So if you're with me, let's recite it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Please see our prayer workers here if you want some prayer, uh, information about plugging into the church, and just go out and fellowship, give somebody a hug.
church today. Come on, make some noise. It's time to party at Metro Praise International. Look to your neighbors, say, I'm so glad you came. Love on them. I'm feeling the love. Welcome to Metro Praise. We thank you on behalf of all of our leaders and our pastors. Thank you for joining us today to worship the Lord and learn and get into the word. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And Fridays we have Elevate at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus. They're doing awesome. We believe that God's going to change our city. Come on. It's going to start with the young people too. But every one of us has a part to change Chicago and the world for the Lord. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Let's say it together. Loving God, loving people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. The way that we want to connect you here at MPI is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handout, we have a schedule of our life groups. This is our schedule for this quarter. Find a place to belong. I really want to encourage you, if you've been coming for a little bit or you're new, this is your first time, this is how you want to connect to MPI. You're going to build lasting friendships, get, get a hold of Jesus, get closer to his word. So look at the times, the schedules, the places, the types of life groups, and find a place for you and your family to get plugged in and connected. And here's a snapshot of what's happening just this week. Today we're kicking it off with our single moms. Come on. Make some noise, single mamas. They have child care provided, 5 p.m. meeting today. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old. They meet every Wednesday here at the church at 6.30. If you have children, you want them to be here for our Rangel Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. It's a powerful time for our kids, and that's their life group. That's where they get to get discipled. And then every week on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. They both meet at 7. They both have child care. No excuses. you got to be there. That's where we want all the adults to be. It's awesome, awesome friendships, fun food and fellowship, and you get closer to the Lord and, and his word. And Saturday every week we have evangelism. All ages are welcome. Meeting at the church at 5 p.m. If you've never street witnessed, shared your faith on the streets, I challenge you to do so. It's going to change your life. And then we want to mentor you. Look to your neighbors. Say, get mentored. We want to take you through the journey of our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through this one-on-one -on -one based on your schedule. When you graduate 101, the discipleship journey continues in the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. This is where we train you to be a leader in the church. And then we want to keep sending you out to win more souls. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that and want to be a part of it, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. At this time, we're going to learn about our tithes and offerings in the Disciples Giving book. You could find it on disciplesgivingbook.org or look up on the screen. We are on section three, which is all about stewardship. Today is lesson eight. Stewards are to be faithful. How many faithful people do I have today in this place? Come on. I know there's a lot. It's faithfulness that draws us closer to God. Faithfulness. God will always reward our faithfulness. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And as we've been learning for the past several weeks, 
God wants us to be wise managers of everything that he's entrusted us to care for on this earth. We're going to be reading in Matthew 25, 23. You can follow along on the screen. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Let's read the three main points from that verse. Number one, God will judge your faithfulness. Jesus taught his disciples to be ready to face God on judgment day and give an account of their lives. The most important aspect of the judgment will be in regards to the disciples' faithfulness to do all that God had commanded him or her to do. We must remember that we're going to give an account of what we do in this life one day before God. And we want to be faithful with the little that he's given us here. And as we're faithful with little, God will continue to bless us and increase us while we're living on earth. But then ultimately, the final reward is for eternity. Will we be found faithful? Because the words you want to hear when you enter into eternity from God is not depart from me. It's well done, good and faithful servant. Number two, we are to be faithful in little. Even Donald Trump, in comparison to God's riches, has little. Therefore, we are to always be faithful with everything we have get, been given by God, whether it's our talents, our finances, our family, our ministry, our career, faithfulness. Do everything as, as if you're doing it for the Lord because he's the one that we're serving. He's the one we want to please. And number three, faithful disciples will be rewarded. Jesus promised to reward his faithful disciples with the true riches of his kingdom. Therefore, don't let the temporary pleasures of this world tempt you to be faithless. For example, some may think withholding their tithes benefits them now, but in the long run, they will lose the true blessings of God. We all have a bank account in heaven, and if we hold back our tithe, we're not going to be very blessed on this earth. It's never going to be enough. We'll be living from paycheck to paycheck, but we want to be blessed to be a blessing. We want to be faithful tithers before the Lord and store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where it cannot rust or rot or be stolen. Here's a summary. Be faithful with little and God will give you much. Let's apply it in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Number two, always remain humble and see yourself as God's servant. And number three, be faithful to everything God commands you to do. Let's confess, confess this on the count of three over our life. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give God our very, very best, our tithes and our offerings. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is a 10% of your total income, and offering is anything you give above that, which we designate towards missions and towards building. And we want to thank you for your generosity. Currently, we are in a building fund to get the Metro Praise International Church lit up sign to go across the building. We're more than halfway there. Thank you for partnering with us to see what God wants to do in Chicago. We also have two other options, uh, convenient ways for you to give. Uh, to purchase, to give and to purchase items in the church to make it convenient for you. One is at our easy-to-use website using your debit or credit cards, and the other is in the back with me or Griselda. If you have any questions about that, please see me after service. Let's recite this verse together. 
Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant faithfulness and goodness to our lives. We present our tithe and our offering before you. May it be a pleasing aroma in your sight. Use it, multiply it, God, so that we can win Chicago for you, America to you, and all the nations of the world. We ask, oh God, that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches. As we are faithful with the little, as we are faithful with the tithe and the offering, we know, God, that you are going to meet our needs and give much to us us especially in all of eternity God and we thank you in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen please come forward as you give this morning and thank you so much for your generosity If you're ready to learn about the kingdom of God, let me hear you say, what, what? Amen. Open up your Bibles to a new passage for a fall sermon series. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It was a summer of grace, and I do believe, sadly to say, that this might be our last of the summer weather. I've already looked towards the weather towards next week. We're talking lows of 50s, lows of 60s. Some of you are already getting happy because you don't like the heat. But we need to appreciate this last day and this weekend, Labor Day weekend. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the real disciples because you came to church today. If you see your neighbor missing or they come next week, you let them know you're the real one. Amen? Half kid, half kid. No, it's good to see you on Labor Day weekend. Nancy and I are so excited. My mom and dad are in. We're going to be hanging out. We're going to be taking family pictures tomorrow and just having a great time. And uh, what a better time to start a new sermon series. We had a whole entire sermon series called the Sermon or uh, the uh, Summer of Grace. Now we're going to the kingdom of God. Open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and then we will skip down to verse 33. But this is going to be our new sermon series for the whole month of September. It is called the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. Thank you. The kingdom of God is so important that it's what Jesus spent the majority of his time talking about. Now, knowing about grace, you can't get into the kingdom of God except by grace. So we're not forgetting about grace as we're moving on now into the kingdom of God. So it's by grace we enter in. But the kingdom of God was the number one subject of Jesus. Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he did about anything else. So this month, bring your friends and family to learn about Jesus' most popular and most important subject. The kingdom of God. Everybody say it again. The kingdom of God. 
Thank you. Now, because I'm old school and I learned this in the King James, I like to have this and in the King James for the whole series. So as you're opening up your Bibles this month, you're going to be seeing a little bit different of a translation. The NIV is what we normally use and what we'll use for the rest of today's message. But when we go to this part right here, you're going to hear some yees in there. Everybody say yee. You're going to see some yees in there and some thighs. Everybody say thy. Amen. So you're going to see a little bit of this classic English because this is how I learned it. As a matter of fact, just because we are going to be reading it and it's, um, we'll be taking it out of its context, let's actually go to its context. Let's go to the passage here in Matthew chapter 6 and read the entire Lord's Prayer. So brother, can you just help me for a second? I'm going to try to get there on my own. Thank you. Uh, give me just a sec. Guys, everybody turn there. Look to your neighbor and talk about the first time you ever said the Lord's Prayer. Talk about that. I want to just figure this out, brother. Talk about that for a second because I want you to. Do me a favor and, and do it for me because I, I, it's not working. It's not working. Oh, never mind. It is working. Thank you. Just talk a few more moments. How was it like the first time you prayed the Lord's Prayer? What do you remember about it? And let's put this in the old King James. Here we go. Okay, you guys ready? All right, let's pray this prayer together. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said... Amen. So I want you to think about this now as we talk about the kingdom of God because if you notice in the passages that we'll be talking about for the whole month, it is that part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, starting in verse 9, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Everybody say, thy kingdom come. Thank you. Thy kingdom come and what? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that is so important. The kingdom of God is supposed to be coming from heaven to earth. It is supposed to have the will of the Father. The will of the Father is demanded by Jesus to come down, and we are to pray according to his demand. Jesus is making it happen whether we pray it or not. Does everybody get that? So Jesus is not asking the Father. Jesus is coming on behalf of the Father to enforce his kingdom here. There will be a judgment day. But what we are supposed to do is pray the demand, the command, the ultimate reality of Jesus. We're supposed to pray it so that fellow men here will voluntarily be a part of it instead of being crushed by it. When Jesus as the king comes to this earth to rule and reign, if you have not served him willingly now, you'll be forced into hell forever. 
So don't get this confused. If you're saying to yourself, well, I don't want to pray the kingdom of God to come. That's scary. Oh, I don't want to pray. It's still coming, baby. The kingdom of God is still coming. You not praying is not stopping it. We're not praying to heaven. God, would you please create the, uh, God, would you please create something or God do that? No, no, no. God's already created what he's going to create. We're just saying thank you for what you've created. Thank you for what you've done. Now may you do it here in my life. Does everybody get that? We're not giving him permission to come back to what he's already created. This is his. He's coming whether we want to or not. But what we're giving him the permission to do is to come inside our hearts. Because when God made us, he made us free will creatures. When he made you, he said, you're in charge of your heart. I'll never violate that. Can you believe that? God purposely limited his power over you to give you free will. And what Jesus is asking you to do is to say, now you pray. You, 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 you individually, you pray to my father, my kingdom, you know, thy kingdom come. But Jesus, it's his kingdom, you know. So you should pray for his kingdom to come. So you're saying thy kingdom come. Where? Right here. Thy will be done where? Right here on earth. Not, not in this water bottle, not in somebody over there, not in a tree. No, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right here. That's your prayer. Amen. Can I, can I hear an amen from somebody? You got to believe this today because this is what's going to make the difference in your eternal fate. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you go down to verse 33. It's the same chapter. I don't have time to get into all of that today. But Jesus begins to talk about how people in this world worry about so many things. And how many know the worries of 2,000 years ago are still the worries today? Let me tell you what they were worrying about 2,000 years ago, and you tell me if you can relate today. 2,000 years ago, they were worried about bad people hurting them and wars and different nations conquering them or having their children die in wars. Are you dealing with that today? Are you, are you thinking about wars and violence today? Yep. How about this? People back then were worried about where they would live and where they would lay their head at night. Does anybody here deal with sometimes worrying or thinking about where you're going to live? People back then dealt with what they were going to eat and clothes they were going to wear. Does anybody here deal with the thoughts of where you're going to uh, go to eat tomorrow or tonight or what clothes you're going to wear? You see, all of us have the same concerns for our family, for our own well-being, for our nation, for our safety. Now listen to what Jesus says at the end of that talk because we don't have time to get into it, but this is what I would encourage everybody to do this month. Read the entire portion of Matthew 6. Can I get an amen if you're going to do that? Amen. Read the entire portion of Matthew 6. And if you want to be a rock star, read the whole Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you want to be a pimping rock star, the next level rock star, go to our website and put that in, the Sermon on the Mount or Matthew 6, and it will come up. I preached a whole sermon on this. Can I get a what, what? You can hear a whole sermon, not only read it yourself. But listen, at the end in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And what were those things that they were worrying about? Safety. What were they worrying about? Provision, shelter, food, clothing. Now put it together because this, this is one talk from Jesus. Put it together. We're to pray to our Father in heaven and say, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right here in our hearts. 
We're supposed to pray that every day. You don't necessarily have to recite the Lord's Prayer every day, but that needs to be your heart every day. When you get up and go to work, you need to say, God, build your kingdom in me so I can build it upon this earth. Lord, I give you permission to come into my marriage. Lord, I give you permission to come into my family. Lord, I give you permission to come onto my job. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I want things to be done your way today, Jesus. Now, do you think we would have a better country or a worse country if everybody woke up in the morning and prayed for God's will to be done? Would it be better or worse? If your president woke up this morning and said, God, your will be done. If the governor woke up this morning, your will be done. If your boss woke up this morning, your will be done. Come on. If husbands and wives woke up this morning, your will be done. The kingdom of God is so important that your eternal destiny depends on it and your well-being today depends on it. There's no way to get around it. You see, if you're not seeking the kingdom first, something else is first. There's no way to say, I don't seek the kingdom but I'm neutral not seeking something else. That's impossible. If you don't seek the kingdom first, number one, there is a number one thing in your life that you're seeking. And what are some popular things that people are seeking today? Their job. They're seeking their provision from their job. They're making their job their idol. They think because their job gives them money that their job is their provider. Your job could be taken like that. Just because it provides today doesn't mean it's your provider. Just because it gives you resources doesn't mean that it's the source of resources. Seek God above your job. Seek God above your job. Hello, somebody. Some people may seek their family, and, and that's noble. We love our family, and we say the, the, the statement family first. And I know what Christians should mean by that, which is above all else on this world, in this world, on this planet, my family comes first. And that's, that's what Christians mean. But if someone says family first, and what they mean by that is my family comes before my belief in God, because if my mother taught me something, that disagrees with the Bible, I'll still agree with my mom instead of the Bible because my family comes first. That's a problem. I was talking to somebody the other day, and their family had taught them some things about God. And I said, show me that in the Bible. Show me where we pray to saints. Well, my parents taught me to pray to saints. Okay, well, just show me one place in the Bible where Jesus taught us to pray to anybody but the Father. Hello? So now... If you say, well, you know what, I don't like that. I don't like that. That's not how I was raised. Your family is now your idol. Your family is your idol. Or if you say, my kids are so busy with all the sports and things they're in, I just don't have time for church. I talked to my neighbor. He sounds just like that. Well, did you go to church today? No, we didn't have time. You know, I'll see him today. Out there, you know, in the park, wherever we go. He'll be out there, and we'll see him today. Did you go to church? Say, oh, no, we're so busy. So busy, so many things going on Labor Day weekend. My kids had to go here and there and had to get them ready for school. Didn't have time for church. I didn't have time for God who created me, who gave me the ability to, to have children and to enjoy it when I make children. How many know God could have made sex painful? But how many are happy he made it pleasurable? God gave you the pleasure of making babies. God gave you the health of the babies. God gave you the right mind to raise them children. And now you're going to let a soccer game, a barbecue come before God? 
But it, but it makes sense to the sinner because the sinner has no common sense when it comes to God. We were like that, weren't we? That's not just think we're all better than everybody else. We were like that. I remember I could point fingers in here, but I won't because I have some people that have been with me for a while, and she knows this, but uh, one of the times she said, I can't come to church, Pastor. This is when I would call people up. There was like 10 of us coming to church, and I'm like, I needed all 10 of y'all to be here. And one day she said, I can't come, Pastor. i got to do laundry. I've got to do laundry. Boy, I'm not going to tell you what I said, but I'm sure it was nice. And I taught her. I said, no, 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 God comes before laundry. Because how about this? Can I have both? Can I have God and clean clothes? Yeah, if I put God first. Because if I put God first and his righteousness, God's going to teach me how to put my clothes in their proper place. God's going to say, yeah, there's a place for cleaning clothes, but it's not number one. There's a place for your job, but it's not number one. There's a place for making babies and being married, but it's not number one. There is only one sun in this galaxy, and it's the Son of God. And all of us should be revolving around him. Just think about that. Is your life revolving around him, or are you asking Jesus, hey, 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 Jesus, I need you to revolve around me today. I need a promotion. I'm about, I'm about ready to go in an interview with my boss. Would you be with me right now? I need you. Forget about all the other times I wasn't there for you, but I, I need you. Jesus, I need you to heal my sick child right now. You better heal him, and if you don't, I won't believe in you. It's an ultimatum. See, is Jesus the son of our universe, and we're revolving around him? Thy will be done. Sometimes people die upon this earth, but we have to still serve God. Thy will be done. Sometimes we lose jobs, but thy will be done. I'm revolving around you, God. I'm trusting you in this planet. And so bad days, good days, ups and downs, I'm going to stay in this kingdom. I don't want to trade this kingdom for something else. See, sometimes people say, I'll trade it for money. You haven't had enough then because you don't know that money will never satisfy you. Those who think that money will satisfy just haven't had enough yet. Talk to somebody who's had a lot of it, and they'll tell you it didn't satisfy me. It gave me something to do. It gave me prestige. It gave me, it gave me notoriety. It gave me a few more toys. It helped me help others, but it didn't satisfy. Hello, somebody. Well, education will make us happy. You haven't met enough PhDs then. Education will not make you happy. Education and knowledge by itself will not satisfy your soul. You say, well, sex will make me happy. A lot of young people. Got to watch out for you young people. Come on. Don't want you guys to be baby daddies. Want you to get married and be men of God. Amen? Amen. Where are all my young people? I don't want to just pick on these guys. Wherever they're at, I'll put this right in your eye, Jason. There you go. Be right with God. But you know some young people, oh, sex, sex. Man, if I could just have a love, uh, loving relationship. If I could just be like the Hunter Games or Hunger Games or whatever those things. What's that called? Hunter Games. What's that place? What's that? It's all about Hunger Games? Hunger Games. Yeah, falling in love. Making love, if I could just fall in love. They're all, they're all the same. Divergent, Hunger Games, Maze, they're all the same. They're all end up falling in love with somebody. Teenage romance, you know what I'm talking about. Did Harry Potter ever fall in love? I bet you he fell in love with some, somebody. You fall in love. Jenny, there you go. I don't even care. No, I'm kidding. What's her name? No, okay, no, you're going to tell me, okay. What's, you know, these young romance novels. What was the other one? What was it with the vampires falling in Twilight, vampires falling in love with werewolves, whatever that was. But you see, that captures the young mind, doesn't it? Oh, if I just fell in love. 
If I just fell in love, if somebody could just hold me, somebody could just love me. Well, you haven't talked to somebody that's had a lot of sex then. Because somebody that's had a lot of sex, young people will tell you sex won't satisfy. Hello, I'm talking the truth. You haven't met somebody that's had a lot of sex then because people who've had a lot of sex will tell you it don't satisfy. Sure, it's fun. Sure, it feels good, but it lets you down. So don't be deceived by what's over there. I'm telling you right now, you have enough of this world to know it doesn't satisfy. You've had enough of the kingdom of this world to know that it's not what you really need on the inside. Amen? And so when God is teaching us, pray for the kingdom. He's not doing that because he's an egomaniac. He's saying, you want this in your heart, and it's what you need. It's what you really need. Pray for that. Seek this first because everything else will let you down. Everything else will hurt you. That's what we need to get in our heart is Jesus is not trying to manipulate us to be some robots in his kingdom. He already had that power at his disposal at creation. Does your computer ever get upset with you for using it all the time? Does your Apple computer or your iPhone ever get mad and say, why do you just come to me when you need me? Why don't you hang out with me? Why don't you tell me nice things? You notice that's your phone until they put Siri on there. You know what? Siri will mess with you sometimes. You got anybody have an iPhone? Let me just tell you this right here. Let me talk to Siri. Let me just talk to Siri. Siri, do you love me? Let's just say you have my utmost admiration. Now, you see, God could have made us just like that. God could have made us just like a robot to say whatever he wanted us to say. Somebody programmed that to say what it said back to me. And there's crazy people now falling in love with their own made-up creation. They make movies about this now. You guys know what I'm talking about. God could have already made you like that. See, God could have made you a robot. You wouldn't even have free will. You wouldn't even know you were missing it. You would be like this computer program, just dead on the inside and just marching around going, I love Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But God didn't want robots. God didn't want computer programs. God didn't want to program the response he wanted back. He created free creatures in his image. He made us in his image. His image is a self-conscious being that has choice. God has choice. He made you a choice. And now he is saying to you, do you want my kingdom? Do you want to seek it first? Because you can seek something else if you want. But you will not have the kingdom blessings. Now I love this about God. God could have told us to seek his kingdom and just said, that's just the way it's going to be. You're not going to get anything out of it. God could have said, I created the world, and after I created it, I went over here to hang out with angels. I'm not even in the world. I don't do miracles. I don't answer prayer. I don't heal your broken heart. God could have just said, I'm God. While you all are here for 80 years, just believe in me, and I'll be over here in heaven minding my own business. But is that what God did? Not at all. God created a world of free creatures, and not only did he create them free, he created them to have relationship, to interact with him.
so that when we are in this world, we can feel the presence of God. We can know that he is with us. We can sense his love and his power, and we can pray for his blessings, and he will actually interact with us in this world. He has not even left us here by ourselves, which he could have done. He has come to interact with us. And so do you want to be in his kingdom? Something to think about, isn't it? Let's go more to the definition of kingdom. How many want to get a good definition of the kingdom of God? Here's from a Bible dictionary, the Lexingham Bible Dictionary, the Lexham. It says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing if you hear it in your Bible, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. It's just the writer substituting the word for God or heaven because it's God is, heaven is where God is and God created heaven, so they're the same thing. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is God's kingly rule through Jesus Christ over all creation and people. It was the primary message of Jesus in the gospel. So when you look at Jesus' life, all the parables that he's telling, they're always about the kingdom. He says the kingdom of God is like this, a farmer going out to sow seed. The kingdom of God is like this, a woman looking for a lost coin. The kingdom of God is like this, a man going out fishing and bringing in the fish. A king, the kingdom of God is like such and such. The entire point of Jesus's ministry was to bring people into the kingdom of God. He died on the cross for our sins that we might go into the kingdom of God. He has given us power and authority over the devil so that we might stop the devil's kingdom from being advanced and that we might advance the kingdom of God. Now I want you to think about three aspects of the kingdom. Everybody say three aspects. Turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 6. The first aspect of the kingdom of God is the kingdom that is there in heaven. Everybody say the kingdom there. Right now, do we see the Father on a throne? Do we see Jesus sitting next to him on that throne? Right now, do we see angels? Do we see those that we've loved that have gone on before us? Do we see the streets of gold? Do we see the river of life? Do we see heaven? Do we see heaven right now? We don't. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So where is the fullness of this kingdom right now? It is where? In heaven. Where is the ultimate expression of the kingdom of God? Where is it? In heaven. Now, some of our prophets have seen visions of heaven. They have seen uh, pictures or glimpses of it. And so here I want to have you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, and let me just have it, please. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6 and see, put it up there for me, please, what Isaiah saw when he had a vision. He was here on earth, and he had a vision. What did he see? He saw a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Now ask yourself this as we're turning there, and gentlemen in the back, I need you to help me, please, brother and sister. You have to ask yourself this. Did Isaiah see the truth? Did Isaiah see reality or is this a false story? Can I get some monitors as well, please? Did Isaiah make this up or did he see what he claimed to have saw? Because if he did, this changes everything. 
This is not Transformers. This is not Avengers. This is not Iron Man. This is not a make-believe story. This is presented as historical fact. So I want to challenge everybody here to really be honest with yourself. Do you believe what you are reading right here? Because if you do, this changes everything. Is everybody with me? Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, that was a king over his land, I saw the Lord. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That means his glory, the power that was emanating from him, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. Can you turn that back to NIV, play, please? Does anybody know what the word twain means? Two. Good guess. Somebody shouted it out. Yes. Ask yourself this. Did he see that? Did he see God? Did he see the Lord? And did he see six-winged angels flying around the throne with their four wings and two of them covering their own eyes? Did he see that? Is this true? With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. Oh, so it was two on their faces, two on their feet, so they only flew with the other two. And with the other two, they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Did Isaiah see that? Did Isaiah see that? I want you just right now to be honest with yourself. Look inside your heart. Don't just answer it because you're in church. Answer it because you want to be honest with yourself. Did Isaiah really see the Lord on a throne, six-winged angels flying around him, and the glory filling a temple? Now, if you're honest with yourself, I want you to then turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John because I want to show you who Isaiah saw. Turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 41. John chapter 12, verse 41. How many in your heart believed Isaiah saw that vision? Can I hear an amen? amen. I want to show you now who Isaiah saw. John chapter 12, verse 41 tells us who Isaiah saw. John chapter 12, verse 41 this is John writing. He says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. So was Jesus just born on December 25th? Jesus only took on flesh on December 25th, but he preexisted forever in eternity. Before there was ever a universe, there was Jesus and what did Isaiah see? Isaiah saw a glimpse of his glory. When you look to the Bible, the first aspect you see of the kingdom of God is that there is a kingdom there. There is a kingdom away from where we are here. And that place is glorious in God's Glory is what fills the temple. It is amazing. And it's not amazing just because they're streets of gold, just because they're six-winged creatures. That's not what makes it amazing. What makes it amazing is Jesus is there. The kingdom there. Do you want to go there one day? Do you want to see what Isaiah saw? Because if you believe there's a place called Heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. If you believe that, then that must also mean you believe there is another place. Yeah. 
That is not the kingdom of God where free will creatures go if they have not prayed for the kingdom of God to come to their heart. Does anybody know the opposite of the kingdom of God? Hell, the kingdom of darkness. Go to Revelation chapter 20, please. Revelation chapter 20. Because it only goes without saying that if you believe in the kingdom of God, there must be that other place. I always talk to people who say, how could a loving God send people to hell? I go, just stop right there. Let me just ask you a question in this conversation. Do you believe in a God? They go, oh, well, I'm not really sure, but maybe, yeah, there's probably a God. I go, okay, so if there's a God, he could give you a choice to be with him or not be with him. Hey, the biggest problem is not who's going to hell. The biggest problem is, are you wanting to be with God? That's really the issue. The issue isn't whether or not God is mean for creating a hell. As a matter of fact, if God is loving and he gave people a choice, he would have to give you an alternative, wouldn't he? Is it, is it loving for me when I was dating my wife? Would it have been loving, let me say it like this, would it have been loving for me to have walked up to my wife, put a gun to her head and said, you're marrying me today? Would that have been loving? Now back it up a few less extreme ways. Would it have been loving for me to walk up to her and go, you're going to marry me or you're not marrying anybody else? Back it up a little bit more. Would it have been loving for us to get together and for her then to say to me, the only reason why I'm choosing you is because we're alone on an island. There's nobody else but you, so I might as well love you. None of those situations really define love, do they? So if God only said, here's heaven, that's the only choice you get, you really didn't have a choice, did you? Now that other place, that other place where God is not, what is it going to be like? That other place where God is not. See, some people think God creates hell and creates fire and creates these things just because creating them gives him pleasure to torture people who didn't want, them, want him. But have you ever thought about the description of hell might just be the description of a place where God is not. Just simply by God not being there, it is torment and fire to the soul. Just by God not being there, it is loneliness and insanity. Just by God not being there, it is the worst case scenario for the soul. Have you ever thought of that? So what would that place be like if God's not there? Well, what does God bring to, to the world. God brings life. God brings hope. God brings peace. So what would a place be like where God is not? No peace. No hope. No pleasure. The Bible says the fullness of joy is in his presence and the fullness of pleasure is at his right hand. Whatever we get in this world from the pleasure of food, the pleasure of sex, if you, would, if you would extract it from whatever you're doing to get the pleasure and you would just hold it in your hand and say, here is pleasure. God is the ultimate source of pleasure. This is why people ask, what are we going to do in heaven? Are we going to have sex in heaven? Are we going to ride bikes in heaven? It doesn't matter whatever we're going to do in heaven because the ultimate source of pleasure you got from winning the Super Bowl or your favorite team winning you know, the World Series or from making a pay paycheck or having fallen in love, raising your children, Whatever you got as pleasure, God will have as an atmosphere in his kingdom. 
It will be the atmosphere. You won't have to do something to have ecstasy. You won't have to be with someone else to have belonging. Are you listening to me? So what would the place be like where God is not? There would be no pleasure. There would be no joy. And might that be, as some think, the torments of hell? Might that be the fire that dies not? It could be literal, or yet it could be the very things that we once had with God that now we never have because he made us free with a choice. And people said, I don't want the kingdom. I don't want God. And God being loving, not being a rapist, said, you can have a eternity without me. Something to think about, is it not? Now look at Revelation chapter 20. When you look at Revelation chapter 20, you see that Satan, he's getting judged. The world is getting judged, and all of these things are beginning to happen. A lot of scary things. How many don't want to be judged with Satan? How many do want to be judged with Satan? It was a little quiet when I said that. Okay, how many don't want to be judged with Satan? Amen. Are you up this afternoon? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, how do you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Go to John chapter 3, verse 3. How do you get citizenship in the kingdom? How do you say to God, I want to be in the kingdom? Now, obviously, you can pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. But how did Jesus describe that act? of saying, I want to be there. How did he describe what it would be like for a person to say, I want to be in that kingdom? Everybody say, born again. again. Remember, this was Jesus' most popular subject, so now you may see John 3, 3 in a way you've never seen it before. Look at Jesus talking. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the what? So no one can see the what? The kingdom of God unless they are Wow. So being born again isn't just for religious people. Oh, you're one of those born again people? Oh, I better stay away from you. I even had a woman tell me, I don't like that born again stuff. I said, Do you, are you even a Christian? Do you even know? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I don't like that born again stuff. I said, I don't think you understand what a Christian is. She said, oh, yeah, because whenever I meet somebody that's born again, they always just, they're not nice people. I said, it doesn't matter the kind of people you've met. If you're not born again, you're not getting into the kingdom of God. You better like that word. You better talk about that. You better say that. You better mean that. Are you listening to me? We, we, we've got, like I said, a yoga pant vegetarian wearing, uh, yoga pant wearing vegetarian eating generation that thinks they're going to negotiate with God. Well, God, I was a good person, and I didn't need to be born again, so you better let me into your kingdom, or I'm going to go tell the Better Business Bureau on you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go tell Oprah Winfrey on you, and we're going to make a Facebook protest page against you, God. Go to Psalms 2. I just want you guys to know what happens when people talk like that, because we live in a world like that, don't we? When we preach like this, what do people say back? Well, my God would never do that. My God would never do that. My God would never send somebody to hell. My God would never do that. Well, your God is a figment of your imagination. That's why he can't do nothing. 
He can't save you. He can't help you. Elmo has more power than him. Elmo or the cookie monster can at least sing you a song and give you something to eat because they have a man behind that with a puppet. Are you listening to me? But your God is make-believe. There ain't four or five kingdoms. There's one kingdom, my friends, and he's a king. This is not American Idol. We're not voting them in. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Jesus, and I would like to be your king. And uh, if you vote for me, I'll let you come to heaven with my father. And there's, there's streets of gold up there. And I promise you can eat all the ice cream you want. That's what we think Jesus is like. He's like, he's like asking for your vote. He's, he's, this, he's this acne-filled teenager that just says, believe in me, believe in me, vote for me, vote for me. Jesus is not an acne-faced teenager. He's a king. And the reason why he came in a manger and didn't come to destroy the world is because he's a king with mercy. And he's a king with compassion. And he's a king full of love because he wanted to save his enemies. He wanted to save those who through the generations had rejected him. And before he came to conquer the land and conquer the devil, he wanted to conquer our hearts. And he said, no greater love has a man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends, he said, and I lay down my life for you. He said, nobody takes my life. I freely lay it down. I freely lay it down. And he said, I will freely take it up again. That is the crucifixion. It is us, rebels, sinners, crucifying our king. And him letting us do it so that the justice of heaven would be served so that his father could pardon our guilt. So when we look at Psalms 2 and we look at our generation, there's a problem, my friend, and God is going to solve it. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up against uh, the rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointing saying, "Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles." We don't need the Father and we don't need the Son. We don't need the Lord and his anointed. Christ means anointed. We don't need the Father and his anointed one. Let's break off their chains. Let's not follow them. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger. He terrifies them in his wrath saying, I have installed my king. The father says, I installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. The one who created all of this says, I gave us, I gave the world a king. And look what David says, uh, look what the father says. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. This is about Jesus. The father said to the son, you're my son. Today I've become your father. That's when he came to die for us. And he said, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possessions. That's why we're going out preaching the kingdom of God. We're here to give Jesus his kingdom. 
We're here to say, Jesus, you don't got to force people to want to follow you. We'll preach in your name and they will freely bow their knee to you. That's the kingdom. That's what he taught us to do. He said, I don't want to force people into my kingdom. There's an example, a parable of, of a man throwing a wedding feast. And he goes out to get his friends and he says, come on, come on. My son's getting married. Come on. My son's getting married. And people say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Nobody wants to come. Nobody wants to come. He says, okay. He tells his friends. He says, hey, we got a lot of food. We've got a lot of space here. Just go to the highways and byways. Go get one-eyed limping Willie. One-eyed Willie over there, the homeless guy with the sign. Bring him. Go get this person. Go get everybody. Go to Belmont and Clark. Get whoever will want to come. He says, that's what the kingdom of God is like. You're too busy. You think you're too good for it. You will get left out. And the ones you judged as worse than you, they will come running in because they'll hear the invitation. Ask me, but look what he says. He says here, he says, I'll make them your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces. Look what he says. This is God speaking to our world. He says, therefore, you kings, you better be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. That's what we're doing today. We're celebrating the rule of the Lord. The greatest nation on the planet right now is America, and they, they started this nation, and with God they trust. So you think, you think you're better than God? Your own founders of this nation knew they could do nothing without God. How dare America now spit in God's face? The very founders knew without God they were nothing. Hello, somebody. Now look what it says here. Kiss his son. What? Kiss his son. Or he will be angry. Or, and you will be destroyed. You will be led to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. I love you, Jesus. I don't kiss the Pope's ring because I will only kiss one man's hand. And that is Jesus. No Pope, no man, no governor. I don't bow down before my president. Have you ever heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got thrown into a fire because they wouldn't bow down to a Babylonian king. I don't care if a president of America sets up a monument to himself, fills up the whole Washington grounds there, and has a million people bow down before him. I will keep standing. Hello. That's the story of the Bible. Have you read it before? It's okay if you haven't. It's in there. We kiss him and say, you're our king. Sit. I don't kiss the pope. I don't kiss a man. And please don't kiss me. Amen. That won't go well for either one of us. How many are happy you don't have to kiss a man in this church? Praise God. How many are happy you didn't have to be fed communion today? How many know you could feed yourself communion? How many happy? I'm being, being serious. How many know there's only one king and it's King Jesus? How many know there's only one person you confess sins to and that's the one who died for you? Father Tom, I'm not getting alone with you in some dark closet because you didn't do nothing for me, Father Tom. I'm praying to Jesus, and he don't look like that white, emaciated, skinny statue you got there. He's a king of glory, colorless, shining brighter than the sun. That's my Jesus. Uh, that ain't my Jesus. Hello, somebody. As the, as the man said before, I don't care what color his skin was. He bled red for me. He bled red for me. And when you look at the pictures of heaven, he is colorless. He is the color of glory. He is the color of glory. Hallelujah. All of us have the color of dirt. That's where we came from. This is of dirt, my friends. There's only one race, the human race. Stop fighting against each other. Let's fight against our enemy, the devil. 
Amen. We are all of this ground and our body goes back to this ground. But our souls are made in the image of God. That's why he said, you are lights in this world. Shine. Let the world see you get your shine on. Can I hear an amen? amen? The next thing that we learn about the kingdom of God, not only is it there, but the kingdom of God is here. Turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 17, verse 21. You say, Pastor, is that a contradiction? No, it's just a different aspect. There's not a throne here. There's not angels here. But there is the presence of God here. Now, many of you have heard the Trinity, but you haven't understood the Trinity. Let me explain to you why the Trinity is so important. The Father and Son are literally in heaven. They are in that place called heaven. Use your imagination and it will still fail in comparison to what heaven is like. But just as literally they are there and there is worship there and there are angels there, the Holy Spirit is here. Here. The Holy Spirit's here. See, when, when, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about being born again, as we learned in John 3, he said, the Holy Spirit is what makes you born again. It's what makes you new. It's the Spirit that gives you spirit. And then Jesus taught the principle. Your mom and dad were flesh and gave you flesh. The Father and the Son are spirit and they give you spirit. And it's not sexual. It's just them coming together and making you. Father makes you new through the Son and what the Son did for you by the Holy Spirit. And as you feel flesh touching flesh, touch your neighbor's ear and just pull on it a little bit. Are you, are you here today? No, you don't want to touch your neighbor's ear? Give him a high five then. Give him a high five. Just touch him. Do something. Sorry. Y'all ain't touching each other's ears. Sorry. Bad example. You, do, you did it. Thank you. One person did it. I don't got to listen to him. He just told me he ain't God. He ain't Father Tom. I ain't got to listen to him. I'm going to be touching nobody's ear. Hey, good for you. Good for you. Amen. You do what you want to do. Just don't hurt nobody. Amen. But get the point. Flesh touches flesh. But touch your neighbor's spirit. You can't. Drugs can't touch your spirit. People get high and they think they're spiritual. No, you're just hallucinating in your brain. You're no different than the Alzheimer's patient. The Alzheimer's patient is missing things in their brain and it doesn't function correctly. Drugs just shuts those parts off. Hello, somebody. Temporarily. You can't touch your neighbor's spirit. But spirit can touch spirit when it's not embodied. The Holy Spirit is not in a body. He is not a physical body. When Jesus took on a body in John chapter 14, he said, now it's good that I go with my body to heaven so that the Holy Spirit who is disembodied can come here and be with all of you. Jesus is ever present with us by the Holy Spirit, but his body is in heaven. This is not new teaching. This is just understanding the Trinity. Hello, somebody. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. So he touches you. And when you lose your body and then you're in heaven, you'll high five other disembodied souls. Hello, somebody. Now look at what the Bible says, the kingdom here. Everybody say the kingdom here. Jesus was talking here and he was teaching them. 
Once being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And in another translation, it says the kingdom of God is inside you. It's in you already if you're with me. And if you're not, you're looking at the outside, from the outside in. And if you're born again, you come in. Everybody say there's a kingdom there. Literally, a physical throne, a physical body, Jesus, physical angels, or at least spiritual angels that can do physical things because angels can take on physical forms. And, and there's this place literally called heaven where souls are there. And there's two people with bodies as well, uh, Elijah and Enoch, who God brought to heaven. But then lastly, there is a kingdom coming. Go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Can I get uh, Jason on the keys, please? Whoever was on the keys today, thank you. How many are learning about the kingdom of God? We're going to go over this part two next week, amen, because I got some other goodies I want to share with you. Don't get confused over the different aspects. They each are revealing God's nature to us, and I want to tie it together. There is that kingdom there in heaven. There is the kingdom here within my heart. And there is a kingdom coming that will be upon this earth. Come on, can I get an amen? Each one sang a new song. How many are waiting to get a new song? When Jesus makes everything new, he says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, talking about Jesus. And with your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Verse 10, keep going, sir. And you have made them to be a what? A kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. So everybody get this. Here it is. Very simple. Very simple. There is a kingdom there physically happening right now, literally happening. And the only way you can go there is if you're disembodied and die. But if you're there right now, those that are there, they're waiting to come down here because there's a kingdom coming. That throne is coming from heaven to earth. We are in participation, participation with the kingdom up there, believing that one day, anticipating, we're participating now, anticipating for them when it comes to earth. The throne comes down. Are you with me? So right now in the middle, we're here between the future hope of God ruling and reigning on the earth and what is happening in heaven. And so it's in our heart. And we're saying, God, let it come through me. What's happening up there and will happen one day down here, let it start in me now. So in heaven, our families getting along together in heaven, so thy kingdom come in my family as it is in heaven upon this earth. Hello. Is there peace and joy up there in heaven right now? Is there peace and joy? Thy kingdom come with peace and joy to those on this earth as it is in heaven. What's it going to be like when Jesus comes literally through the clouds, literally establishing that kingdom? What is it going to be like then? It is going to be 
like a king coming to his people a king coming to his land we will be rejoicing that the enemy of God the devil and whoever did not choose Christ is now put out a lot of people say why is there evil in this world if God is good because evil is in the heart of men and then people say well why doesn't God just get rid of evil well if God got rid of evil he would have to start with you and get rid of you so what God did is he conquered evil and gave you a choice of what side you wanted to be on did you want to continue in evil or did you want to join his kingdom now hello but on that day those who did not want to be born again if you continue reading in John chapter 3 as we talked about that being born again the Bible says they are condemned already they will remain in a place of condemnation so before you and I were condemned we were already on the outside looking in and so if we don't change our citizenship now we will be kicked out I want to be ready when he comes I want to be here serving him and if I should die before his kingdom comes I want to be prepared to go where he is now that's what the kingdom of God is about we'll talk about the rest next week we'll talk about what God expects us to do in this kingdom but I want you to see in closing right here that the kingdom of God when you see it as for what it is is really all about Jesus the king so when Jesus is up there, that's where the kingdom is. And when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to give us the kingdom here, that's where the kingdom is. And when Jesus comes down to earth to rule and reign forever, that's where the kingdom is because the kingdom is all about the king. That's the one who Isaiah saw. And so it's all about him, and he came and gave his life for us that he might have a people who once rejected him, who once didn't want him to be their king, could now be his prized possession, his citizens. So in closing, before we leave out today, is there anybody here on the outside of God's kingdom that wants to come in? If you do, be born again. Be born again. Ask Jesus into your life. Humble yourself. And say, I want to be in your kingdom. The rest of you who would say, yeah, pastor, I've been born again. I'm in the kingdom of God. What do I do? We'll start to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or skip ahead. These notes are already online. Go to John, go to Corinthians, and go to Romans, and begin to see what I'm going to talk about next week and how we live kingdom-minded in between the tension of heaven and the future of God coming upon this earth. As we live in that tension, we can get answers to prayers here, but all answers come to uh, the prayers in the future. So how do I live with unanswered prayer here? Everything is solved up there. Every problem is solved up there, and every problem will be solved in the future. But how do I live right now when problems aren't solved? Are you with me? You get that? That's, that's what we're going to be talking about is living in that tension and understanding that that prayer we're to be praying is really powerful. Just to skip ahead just a moment because I'm looking at the clock tick. What you're going to learn is that the key to doing it is faith. Saying, I believe when I don't see. I believe that he's my healer even though I'm still coughing, still sick in the hospital. I still believe he's my healer because whether he heals me now in this hospital or heals me in that eternal kingdom, I'm getting healed. He's my deliverer. 
whether I feel it now. Some of you, I'm just going to be real honest with you, some of you may deal with the temptation you're dealing with now for the rest of your life, and you may go to the grave dealing with that temptation, but is he your deliverer? Will he lead you out of temptation? Will he lead you out of temptation? And one day when that body dies and, and you come back new, you won't have a body that tempts you like that anymore. But right now, will you trust him that he's your deliverer from all temptation? How about loneliness? Some people deal with loneliness. Oh, God, I just wish I was there now. I just wish I was there. That's real. I know. I just wish I was there. I can't wait anymore, Jesus. What do you do? You trust him that he has you here for a purpose and that he promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Why did he tell you that? Because he knew that the Holy Spirit would be here. And in your loneliest hours, you would know that where you and the Holy Spirit are, there is the kingdom of God. And where two or three are gathered together, there in his name, there is the church of God. There is the people of God. And hey, if you got more than two in your family, you, or two or more in your family, you got church every day. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give God a hand clap of praise because there's some kingdom benefits coming our way, amen? We love you, Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Altar workers, would you come? Band, would you come? Let's close out in prayer. Father, I thank you today that your kingdom is in this place. Gentlemen, I need you to remember to always put these things behind those speakers for me, please. Would you do that for me? Thank you. I might have met the king a little bit earlier. What if I would have fell over? Huh? I'm kidding. What about my kids? You want to take care of my kids? Oh, just ruining the moment. Ruining the moment. Can we all get back in the attitude of worship? I'm just teasing my man. Father, Come on, we're thankful for the kingdom. Let's just talk right now. Tell them you're thankful in your own words. That's what I want to do at this moment. Would you take your time and do that? Jesus, thank you. I'm thankful and I thank you for the kingdom. You don't have to do this, but I just want to kneel for about 30 seconds right now. I just got to tell him thank you. Oh, Jesus, thank you for the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for coming to die for me so that I might be in your kingdom. Thank you for those that you have saved in this place and brought to your kingdom. judgment. We deserve wrath. But you saved us.
In closing, before we leave out of here, can we just sing a song about the kingdom together? And if you need prayer, would you come forward even just right now? We'll dismiss in just a moment. But if you need prayer, would you just come as the band sings? If you need prayer right now, just come on. Whatever you need in the kingdom, God is here. If you need to be born again, would you come forward right now? Or if you're feeling like you're being tempted, you're, you're, you're feeling discouraged, would you come? If you need prayer for healing, would you come? You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You want to speak in the languages of heaven? That's why we speak in tongues, because the kingdom language is not English. Come on. Come on. Just come from where you are right now. And if someone's already praying for, for another person, just wait behind that person. Come on. Who needs something from the kingdom today? Who wants to come to the king today? Who's not proud? Who's humble? Who's willing to say, I need it, and God's got it for me? Come on, it don't matter if you got only a little bit of faith. Step out of that seat. Get some prayer today. If you don't want to go by yourself, bring your husband, your wife, your friend. Grab somebody say, pray with me as I go get closer to God here. Come on, heaven is all around us. Those of us that are worshiping, do you believe that? Heaven, heaven, heaven is all around us because the Holy Spirit is here representing the King. The Holy Spirit can touch you, can touch your soul today. in their life. Sing it out. And if you need prayer, come on down. We'll pray for you. How many want to see good things in their family? If you need prayer for your family, come on down. We're going to see good things in the land of the living. Our God is with us. How many need healing today? To the King of Kings today. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is all around us. How many need financial blessings? If you need financial blessings, believe with me today that God will provide. Come get prayer today. There is a blessing in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is all around. That's right. There is more for you. There is more.
more time, I see your goodness. I see your goodness in the land of the living. And now the voices, because heaven, because heaven, heaven is all around us. If you believe it, would you sing it out with your heart today? Heaven is all around us. One more time, heaven. Heaven is all around us. I want those who are praying to keep praying, but the rest of you, just listen to me before we leave out because I want you to hear this today. Did you ever wonder, did you ever wonder how you could see things in the Bible where there is a sick man here around the pool of Bethesda, uh, Bethesda they said, a sick man among many, but only he gets healed? Did you ever wonder that? Did you ever wonder down in your heart, how is it there's all these people pushing around Jesus, but only one woman touches him and gets healed? Because the kingdom can be here, but not here. The kingdom can be here, but not here. The kingdom can be here, but not here. You determine if you enter into the kingdom. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've had people hear sermons like this, try it for a little bit, and they come back and say, it didn't work, didn't work, didn't work for me, didn't work, nothing changed in me, didn't work. God's not real, didn't work. Well, my whole life is being transformed. Well, I'm going from glory to glory to glory to glory. They come back and look at me, and they go, what happened? What went wrong? How? Why? This doesn't make sense. How was I getting busted and disgusted, but you were getting blessed? How? He said, because the kingdom. Well, I tried that. I tried that. Well, I don't know what you tried, but you didn't try what I tried. I've been testing this thing since I was 18 years old, folks, before I was ever a preacher. The kingdom of God works. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not even a matter of talk, but is of power. 